Being tuned in means Joe Thomas now. Sean Hannity at 3. Seville 1075 and 1260 WCHV. Up in the morning and out to school. The teacher is teaching the golden rule. American history and practical man. On the uh, newsmakers line with us from the Family Foundation, Candy Cushman. Uh, and, uh, good morning, Candy. How are you doing today? Good morning. Doing well. Great to be with you, Joe. Well, I appreciate you taking some time out uh, for us to first and foremost talk about. Uh, and I, I, because I'm a sarcastic kid that grew up in New York, uh, I, I've been referring to this session the Albemarle County School Division held online yesterday as their version of mansplaining. Uh, and I say it specifically because it was about transgenderism, but it sounded—I mean—it really took on a, a lecturing kind of uh, feel, uh, didn't it? And, and and I guess maybe that's just what happens when you, you know, try to do this kind of stuff. Absolutely right. The thing that struck me the most is they want to do these school board meetings like they want to teach their classrooms. There's no avenue for free discussion. You pretty much got to clamp down on anything that deviates from the so-called woke opinion. That's exactly how they, they try to run these school board meetings. It struck me that they've been having virtual meetings since before January, mm-hmm. I guess. And instead of having an in-person meeting, public comment, they basically cherry-picked or set up these straw men representing the parent concerns that they just then proceeded to knock down. Well, that's really easy to do when you don't set up any way that parents can be in the room and have give and take. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, we hear a lot about the Loudon School Board not listening to parents, but, hey, at least they have in-person meetings. We're not even doing that in in Albemarle. And when Mark Herring, at the very onset of Governor Northam's COVID-19 lockdowns, uh, said in an opinion that you know the Zoom platforms, the virtual meetings were okay for emergency circumstances, uh, but were wholly inadequate uh, for the conducting of regular government, he's you know backed that down because he wanted to be governor himself. Uh, so he he equivocated a little bit on that, uh, but but that becomes the biggest problem here is uh, first. I've been here for all of this about four years ago. Albemarle County set up their, you know, fixing bullying policy. So I don't know why we need a secondary set of rules to fix bullying that they told me they were going to fix four years ago. That's absolutely right. This policy, uh, they are calling it, uh, uh, it's regarding the transgender and gender expansive issues with students. That's what they're calling it. It goes far beyond anything about preventing bullying and harassment because, like you said, they already have good uh, policies on the books addressing that extensively, not only locally but at the state level. But this is going way beyond that into really just enforcing this radical form of political activism throughout the whole school life. I mean, they have got uh, just one way they started out the meeting yesterday was this definition of of terms. And they were talking about gender expansive, and they give this whole definition, gender creative, gender variant, agender. I mean, it, all, it starts to get redundant with all these politically correct terms, and that's going to be in the teacher training and the instruction. And then they want to cut parents out of that process. So it's, it's way beyond simple safety measures for students into a form of indoctrination, clearly. 
Well, and and I, I my my daughter has transgender friends, and you know we we support you know whatever if you come to this decision yourself. But if you put any other scenario out into play on, and have a bunch of adults in their mid forties telling kids, hey, we're going to talk to you about sex, but you can't tell your parents, there'd be criminal prosecutions attached to this, Candy. I'm sorry, I'm not being, you know, uh, moralistic about it, but that's what would happen in any other scenario than this. Right, and that was a big thing they kept trying to say during this this online meeting was we're not going to be hiding activity for families. Well, first of all, they kept using the word families, and we've been saying parents. You shouldn't be hiding activity from parents. But I'm looking at the policy that they have put out as opposed to the words they used last mm-hmm. night in this meeting, and it says that they would develop a plan with the student that's changing a gender to a different gender identity. It says, in collaboration with the student and the student's family, if the family is supportive. So in yeah. their own policy, they have a contingency that they're not going to share this with the parents if they aren't deemed so-called supportive enough. So, you know, this can apply to parents that it may not even be a religious concern. They just have a practical, psychological, uh, physical concern for their student that maybe this is a premature decision and they need more people weighing into this. And I think that's especially important with the stats that tell us the majority of these kids that struggle with their gender do eventually walk out of that by the time they hit puberty. The stats are overwhelming on that. So it is irresponsible and even damaging to turn this into a form of propaganda instead of actually letting parents be a part of that process. Right. And isn't the whole point of school, Candy Cushman is on with us from the Family Foundation, you know, helping kids, you know, collect the knowledge necessary to make informed decisions about all kinds of things, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, what kind of person they want to marry to, what political party they want to join, uh, Candy. I mean, these, these are the things we're supposed to be laying out the tools, not, you know, informing the decisions and, and encouraging the, these decisions at ages where that, that kind of decision making shouldn't even be necessary. Right, and that's the whole thing you said at the beginning. Like, this is very paternalistic. The school board is becoming the parent, and not only do they want to tell the students how to think, but they also want to tell the citizens listening to their school board meetings how to think. Yep. So, yeah, it's it's very didactic that way. It's familyfoundation.org, correct? That's right. Standing up for what's right since the summer of 2001. Seville 1075 and 1260 WCHV. Talking with Candy Cushman, Family Foundation, Albemarle County Schools, more. Candy, what's the uh, website address again? You can go to familyfoundation.org and click on Protect Every Kid. All right, and uh, Candy, I want to I want to pivot uh, to the other issue that embroiled the Family Foundation. Um, that is this ruling by uh, the judge in Lynchburg saying that parents 
don't have standing uh, in, in court uh, regarding school decisions being made by the Virginia Department of Education. I, I was gobsmacked that they could even torture you know, legal uh, definitions enough to come up with that. But I, I guess in this day and age, nothing should surprise me. Right. I mean, if, if parents don't have standing in this situation where we are trying to push top-down formulaic approaches on every school on the transgender issue, trying to push that down from the Department of Education in our state, I really don't know who has standing in any education situation. And it, it appears the judge was trying to say the only ones with standing right now are school board members, but that completely ignores the fact that the policies the school board members are adopting clearly impact all of the parents and, and families yeah. in that district. Well, I mean, and that's the part. I mean, is, is government the only authority we recognize anymore? So the judge says the only person yeah. that can go into court and complete a case is, is other government entities? That was that, that was the part that really said, boy, I thought I thought I saw you know some crazy things in my life. Uh, but this, this is up there with Oliver Wendell Holmes saying three generations of imbeciles are enough. Again, getting back to that point where we're making the government the parent right now, and they're supposed to stand in for that. Um, but, but I will say there was a silver lining with this, and that's that the judge said the re- one reason parents don't have harm right now in this is because it's mere guidance. And so we're saying, well, school boards then should take the judge at his word and treat this like guidance and not that you have to be like a widget and just mm-hmm. ha- uh you know, put into implement this formulaic approach and not use your own common sense. Yeah, that was it was interesting in that. But it doesn't seem like after watching the Albemarle County School Board mansplaining yesterday of this policy that uh, that school boards are going to do that. But we have, you know, luckily seen some Virginia school boards take that approach and say, no, we're not doing it. Yeah, well, well, here's the deal. They're trying to make every school district do the same approach, and obviously what happens at Fairfax is not going to be the same approach in, say, more rural area like Russell County. And so for that reason, we just saw Russell County School Board say we're rejecting this policy and we're putting forth our own resolution, and they talked about constitutional parental rights and the fact that they already have protections for students. Mm-hmm. So. I think it is emboldening school districts to realize we we can, if we want to, use our own approach here that reflects the needs of our community. Well, I, and I apologize for this. Candy Cushman is on with us from the Family Foundation talking about the Albemarle County School Board session last night, which I thought interestingly cut off right after all the advocates uh, finished talking for a bit. But uh, the... Uh, I, I, I compare it, you know, Albemarle schools coming back and saying, well, we need this anti-bullying policy, despite the fact that we already have uh, a very strict anti-bullying policy in our schools, sort of like, you know, the, the CDC saying, well, you have to go back to wearing masks, even if you've taken the COVID-19 injection. Uh, it's it's that it, we were lying to you at some point, but we just don't want to mm-hmm. discuss that. And that's misinformation anyway, if you, if you ask us any of these uh, questions. But parents need to continue continue to ask these questions. And some of the heroes in this are the parents who are taking great you know, community risks for standing up to it. Uh, we see them assailed by, uh, like the young lady in Fairfax, and I'm being very overly polite when she said, let them die. Uh, this is the way some of these parents who have stood up are getting treated, but they're doing it. And even more so, the, the whistleblowing teachers. That's what is heartening in all this. There seems to be have been some kind of line 
that has finally been crossed with these parents. I think part of it is these school boards have been trying to push through the critical race theory, and parents were upset about that. But then on the heels of that, they came in with this advocacy form of transgenderism that was cutting parents out of the picture, and it's just one on top of the other. I think we are seeing parents across the state wake up and start to speak out. And in the Charlottesville area, similar to Loudoun, where the assumption is that, you you know, you kind of have one viewpoint predominating, everyone else is going to stay largely silent. You see parents bucking that. Mm -hmm. Um, We have parents from the Speak Up Charlottesville team that – when they gave testimony in the the last time that they were allowed to in an online forum, <laughs> and even that you may be aware they had a lottery. Right. Um, they only yeah. allowed a certain amount of people to speak, and then the rest of them had to, were chosen by lottery. And only one of the parents I knew that wanted to speak were chosen. Um, so yeah, it's, it was, even it's, then they still brave enough. To, <laughs> but they are there, and they're standing up. But you, I'm also seeing them vote with their feet. I was just reading a report. I was talking to Winsome Sears, uh, LG candidate, and we were talking about school choice. Uh, and I was reading an article yesterday that said not not just the fact that the percentage of families that homeschool now have doubled from a little over 5% to a little over 11% nationwide, but in the black community, that number's gone from around 3% to 16% uh, of of black families are homeschooling now. Uh, If we can get a real school choice program going in the Commonwealth, I think that number even increases from there. And that's what's going to happen if they don't start waking up and listening to families, listening to concerned parents, to concerned students. You are going to see that exodus. Um, we are already seeing it exactly like you said. I saw another stat from local uh, state homeschooling associations in Virginia are saying they saw a 48% increase. Wow. I, I think it was something around 40,000 to 65,000 students choosing homeschooling in Virginia alone, that 48% increase, um, you are going to start seeing that. And we do have a team, uh, there is a team of parents in the Charlottesville area that has something called Help Seville Kids, where they are um, encouraging local businesses and individuals to help raise money for scholarships for students to be able to go to a school of their choice. And let me just quickly throw that uh, site out. It's it's familyfoundation.org slash help Seville kids. Well, that's it's Candy. Thank you for everything you do at the Family Foundation and uh, being a part of this, being a support session. And again, familyfoundation.org. Have a great morning. Thanks. You too, Joe. Joe Thomas in the morning at 434-964-1075. I don't think it is wrong of me, and you may dissent in the opinion. To, to connect this to the Olympic gymnast saying, I'm under too much pressure and I don't want to let my team down. I can't do this. I need to, I need to pull out of the Olympics. You have to learn to because what we're asking elementary and middle school students to do is to make life-changing decisions. We, we don't let them. We don't ask a child to choose a car or an insurance company or buy a house because they haven't collected all the tools.
The whole point of childhood is to grow to the point where you have enough tools to make informed decisions, just like with the COVID-19 shots. One way or another, it is not indifferent to me. Just be, be an informed consumer. How do we replace Rush Limbaugh in Charlottesville? We asked Rush. We are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. The Charlie Kirk Show on WCHV. Charlie, when I had to go, he said, I'll take care of it.